There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of WCN-TV. This is Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Back in January, we had Scott Shera and his family on the program telling us the heartbreaking story of the death of their 19-year-old daughter, Grace, at the hands of unscrupulous hospital staff who were following the official COVID hospital protocols. Between our viewers on WCNTV.net and our WCNTV Rumble page, Almost 10,000 people have watched that program. Over the past couple of years, we've heard of countless numbers of people dying needlessly in hospitals, but many of their stories have been shrouded in mystery as hospitals do their best to keep the official COVID protocols a secret from patients and their loved ones, and especially the public. What's more, the mainstream media will rarely, if ever, report on what we have reported here. But Grace's story has been extensively researched and studied, perhaps more than any other, and the details of her death are clear. Today on the program, Scott Shera is joining us again with some updates on Grace's case, and Scott will be sharing some strong evidence that what we're seeing in our so-called healthcare systems and hospitals bears irrefutable similarities with the genocide that took place in Nazi Germany. Indeed, we're talking about Worldwide Genocide Depopulation Plan that is now in effect. Also joining us today will be Vera Sherov, who is a survivor of the Nazi Holocaust, and together, Scott and Vera make a compelling case. Those who fail to remember the past are doomed to repeat it, which we're finding out today. We know that the enemy only has a few tricks, but he's using them very effectively now, Because of the ignorance of most Americans, most of the people worldwide were all too eager to just follow the dictates of those wearing the white coats. So I urge you to share this program far and wide, get this information out to as many people as possible, because the information we're going to be presenting today is vital. Scott and Vera, welcome to WCN-TV, and thank you both for joining us today. Thank you very much. Very nice introduction, Ralph. Thank you. As I said uh, earlier before we started, uh, Scott, anytime you need the visual aids that you uh, shared with us, just ask our producer, Spencer, and he will be happy to pull them up for us. But 
First, Scott, if you would, if uh, maybe just give us an overview for those who are unaware or just kind of a refresher for those who've seen the, uh, uh, the, the situation and know a little bit about Grace's case. Tell us, uh, kind of give us an overview of what took place. So Grace was 19. She was very high functioning. She had Down syndrome. That's why I referenced the term high functioning. She could read and write and ride a horse, drive a car. She was she was wonderful. Uh, and she's the motivation behind what we are doing right now. Uh, ultimately, uh, her story, when you had us on last, Rob, was January 11th. So you can look at the whole story there. But in short, Grace died on October 13th. She did not die of COVID. Uh, what she died of was three different things. She died of an overdose of a sedation drug called Presidex that the hospital was only supposed to use for more than 24 hours, but they used it on Grace for four and a half days. After the Presidex, they combined that drug with lorazepam and morphine all in 29 minutes, and those three meds ultimately killed her. And then last and certainly not least is the doctor put an illegal DNR order on Grace. And so when we learned that and we asked them to come in and save our daughter, they hollered back, she's DNR, there's nothing they could do. And we found out through the research that the doctor put an illegal DNR on Grace the morning of her last day. So since January, lots happened, Rob. Uh, the, the reports we received from both the state agencies that regulate the doctor and the hospital came back. I had filed complaints in December. We were on your program on January 11th. At the end of January and the beginning of February, February, we received the written reports from both the state agency that investigated the doctor and the state agency that investigated the hospital. And the result of, of those investigations were ultimately the springboard that led to Vera and I meeting. And the reason I say that is because both investigations, and you can see the overwhelming evidence. Uh, Spencer, if you want to just want to bring up Grace's last day right now, that would be helpful. So if you speaking, look at- Speaking, I don't want to interrupt Scott, but speaking of that, yeah. I did, you know, my, my daughter is an RN and um, she knows the story and, uh, followed the, the medications that Grace was given, and uh, she stated that it's inconceivable that any doctor or any nurse would give those medications in the way they were given to well, any patient. I, yeah, I think that's spot on, and the doctor who reviewed these records with us originally back in November, she concluded right away that this was intentional. Well, for me, you know, my perspective is intentional is quite an quite an accusation, and it took me almost 500 hours of research to come to that conclusion. Which, when we were on in January, I didn't think it was intentional yet. I, at that point, I had about 300 hours in. Uh, ultimately, these two reports that I am speaking of, when I got those, it opened up a whole different world to me because, in both cases the state agencies gave the doctor and the hospital a pass. So in spite of all the research, and if you look at Grace's website is ouramazinggrace.net, and I have this research posted under the tragedy tab, and it's so extensive and so egregious that 
I could hardly believe it. I opened up the mail and I thought, well, we're going to finally get get justice. And they got a clean bill of health in both both cases. That's when it dawned on me that this is big. Uh, in fact, they're all in on it. And when I say all in on it, I'm talking about the governments have effectively bought the hospitals through the conduit of money to do their dirty work, which I have found is part of a worldwide agenda for depopulation. So that's the biggest news that has happened since since we talked last. So opening up my my mind to see there's a lot bigger agenda and coming to the belief in April that in fact, not only was Grace killed, I have come to believe it was premeditated murder. And ultimately I wanna use that as a stepping stone to get to introducing Vera. But Rob, did you have another question right now? Um, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, you've been very vocal about this. Um, uh, and I applaud you for doing that. If more families were doing what you're doing, uh, maybe we would not be in this situation. But I'm wondering, have you had any repercussions, uh, any uh, backlash from the hospital? Have in lawsuits uh, been filed by them against you? And um, are you looking at, at filing anything? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's uh, we've literally heard nothing from the hospital. The only little bit that we heard is we did a rally uh, for Grace on April 8th. And shortly after that, they called one of the local radio stations and asked them to take down all the podcasts that I was on. Um, of course, the radio station didn't didn't bow down to that. In fact, they just asked them, why don't you come on and we'll have Scott on with you? which that would have been fantastic, but they they denied that. So that's the only repercussion. We have uh, 17 billboards up in our local area calling out the uh, the dirty deeds of the hospital, and we've had no repercussions of that either. Uh, in God's providence, he, he uh, introduced me to Tom Renz, and him and his legal team have taken on the case uh, and so we're expecting that we're going to have the remaining records that we need next week, and then they'll start framing the case. Uh, Tom uh, just coincidentally called me today with an update uh, this afternoon. And um, so things are proceeding just as expected. It just takes a lot of time to get everything in order so they, they can frame the case and then ultimately proceed. So they want to use Grace's case as a national test case. Uh, because of how egregious it is, and then hopefully open up the door for other people. So, well, know, getting and, to the point where, uh, yeah, go just ahead. not to inter interrupt, but uh, last week on the program, we had Karen Mueller, who is running for attorney general, and uh, and her primary position or primary reason for running is uh, exactly this to fight these hospital mandates and these uh, COVID protocols. So, and I have one of Karen signs outside the office here. So, I mean, I mean, I think she would be a great uh, addition. And uh, if she wins, that would certainly be a boost to the the criminal component of of Grace's situation. That would be fantastic. That'd be huge. Right. The um, so what happened after coming to the conclusion that that I believe Grace's death is premeditated murder, then it started to think, okay, well, what's really going on? I had already researched the money 
and thought, well, there's got to be a bigger why behind this. And that led to looking at genocide and ultimately uh, the Epic Times did an interview and published it in June after we did some research on genocide. Well, that led to digging into the Holocaust. And in June, the PR director and myself invested uh, a couple hundred hours researching the Holocaust and the comparisons were eerie. And in that process, we we learned of Vera. Um, and I had watched a podcast she did with Alex Newman and I couldn't believe it. I mean, this wonderful lady knew everything at her fingertips that we just spent a whole bunch of time researching. And, you know, it dawned on me that why is anybody going to listen to Grace's dad talk about the Holocaust when we have a, uh, an expert in our midst that, that can do it. And so uh, we reached out to Vera. Ultimately, I was able to call her, uh, contacted her via phone a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of a funny story that I'll just share because I called the number and this lady answered and she starts quizzing me, you know, because, you know, you would do that if you don't know who it is. And so she started asking me questions about a half a dozen questions into the phone call. She says, I'm Vera. And uh, then we started talking even further. I think we talked for 30 minutes that first call. And then we set up a time to talk the following week and talk for a couple hours and ultimately then decided to do an interview campaign together and, and share this, this message. And so our goal is to get people to wake up and realize what is happening. So with that introduction, I would like to, to introduce Vera Sherov and Rob, you can, you can uh, do the roll call. Okay. Well, Vera, just uh, so folks know, is with the Alliance for Human Research Protection. Her website is ahrp.org um, where you can find more information. So, uh, but Vera, come on in and tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you're doing. Well, one of the things that I never thought that I would live through again is to be reminded of the past uh, when I was just a little girl. Uh, In 1941, when I was three and a half, my family and I were chased out of our home in Romania, and we were sent off to a concentration camp in Ukraine. Uh, This was not one of the death camps. There were actually, very few people realized, there were more than 4,200 various kinds of concentration camps and death camps all across Europe. So. One of the aspects of that is that many people knew about the mass incarceration and eventually when the genocide took place, though they pretended never to have known about it. Uh, The camp that we were at was primarily a, we were left to starve. Starvation and disease were the main killers. Uh, my father died when I was less than five. Uh, he died of an infectious disease, typhus, which was rampant in all the camps and ghettos for lack of uh, sanitation, 
lack of nourishment, starvation, and the cold, the bitter cold. Uh, we lived, as I said, starvation was the main pain, but also under fear, constant fear, fear of being put on a list. There were lists issued periodically. And those lists, if you were on the list, it meant that you were sent to a death camp or to slave labor. Um, so when the lockdowns and the fear, the hype about the virus, the virus started, that, that rang a really an ominous bell. <clears throat> and then eventually when when people were being uh, stigmatized and discriminated against, separated, you know, particularly when they rolled out the vaccine. That, again, was a reminder of really red flag, the way Jews had been step by step in phases, in slow phases, been ostracized out of the community out of their professions, out of school, out of their businesses were taken away, and eventually their identity and humanity, their passports were taken away, their citizenship, that was the first thing that went. In 33, Jews lost citizenship in Germany. Uh, when I heard about grace, what immediately, immediately recalled was the T4 program. The Nazis instituted the T4 program, which was euthanasia, medical murder, organized medical murder. And the very first victims of medical murder were German infants and young children under three. They were disabled in some way. And then followed bigger children, disabled children, the mentally ill. The asylums were cleared of the mentally ill and then the nursing homes. Uh, the parents whose children were taken away by force <clears throat> were told that they would be getting special treatment to improve their health. Uh, some 1,000 young children were murdered and some 250,000 adults. Uh, they tried different methods of medical murder. They assigned some six killing centers, turned hospitals into killing centers. Um, and they tested, tested all kinds of medical murder, including Zyklon B, the gas that they then used in the gas chambers at Auschwitz and other killings institutions. One of the most ominous things that I immediately recognized was 
the Holocaust was different, was unique from other genocides in one particular aspect. The complete uh, collaboration of the medical profession. Medicine became weaponized. It became a method of genocide, mass murder, instead of the healing profession. And what we're seeing now under this COVID uh, panic, which is, is generated intentionally, is the weaponization of medicine. And Grace is one of its victims, clearly. And and the killing that you witnessed of the, the children and adults um, took place in hospitals, am I correct? This took place in hospitals, but you can't quite say that I witnessed. I've done a lot of research. Right. To understand, you know, why, what happened to you me. You know, you were three years old, so. I was three yeah. years old, and then, you know, eventually... But I made, you know, I did a lot of research about this. And, uh, you know, the some of the evidence kept coming up, particularly after the fall of the Soviet Union, because then a lot of records, a lot of uh, archives that had never been touched before came out and scholars were able to look at that and validate a great deal. But yes, hospitals were turned, some six hospitals, major hospitals, were turned into killing centers. And uh, there were special vans that took people to these places, gray, no signs on them. Um, At one point, when the public learned about it, particularly when the nursing home residents started to be pulled out, Germans complained. The public didn't didn't appreciate it. So they had to they went underground. They pretended that they ended it, but they didn't. It went on until the end of the war, 1945. The T4 medical murder began in 1939. It was a secret uh, order given and was carried out for five years. Hmm. Uh, in in one way, really, uh, it was an extension of what began in the United States in, at the beginning, in the, you know, in the early 1900s, which was forced sterilization. Okay? That was a weaponization of medicine, and that was in the name of eugenics. Clean the genetic pool. Well, the Nazis embraced that, imported it really from the United States and carried it out on an even larger scale. You see, this one of the things about eugenics, and people really need to look at study, what does it mean, eugenics? Because the term has gone out of favor after the atrocities were brought out during the Nuremberg doctor's trial. So you don't, no one is a eugenicist now. They're geneticists. They changed the names, but the ideology is still there. And this has to do with supremacy, superior human beings versus inferior human beings. 
And whatever the politics, they decide who's superior and entitled to rule and who's inferior and must obey. And, we're and so, and so what, what was the public response? Um, was, was it similar then as we're seeing now where people are just, just uh, I guess, for the most part, ignorant about what's really happening in the hospitals? And if you try to bring up information like this, you're a conspiracy theorist. And, uh, you know, people are in such denial. And yet, as I read the local obituaries, um, I'm seeing people uh, 29, 34, 50 years old dying unexpectedly at their home or, you know, and now we have uh, sudden adult death syndrome and the doctors just can't seem to figure out what might be causing that. Right. Exactly. Um, No, this is very, 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 very ominous. Uh, When you say there, by the way, you're forgetting children. The children are now dropping. Oh, I know. And they're, they're injecting them from six months old. They want to get it in the regular schedule of, you know, for newborns and uh, under emergency youth use author, authorization. There is no emergency and there never has been. Right. And children were never at risk. There isn't a single healthy child in the entire world who died of COVID. So what is the justification? Clearly, it has nothing to do with health. Public health has simply been captured. And its officials, they're they're criminals because they know what they're doing. You see, I'll give you an example. Uh, In 2020, Governor Andrew Cuomo was governor of New York. Before he issued the order to hospitals, and similar orders went out throughout Western Europe, Australia, Canada, and many states in the United States, hospitals were ordered not to treat the elderly. And Cuomo ordered that hospitals send them to nursing homes in the knowledge that they were not equipped to deal with infectious disease and spreading and all of that. Before he issued the order, he predicted, he stated, this virus in nursing homes will be like fire through dry grass. Okay? He knew it. He gave the order, but first he gave immunity from liability both to nursing homes and hospitals. And guess what? The manufacturers and distributors of these injections and those who perform the injections, in other words, all the medical staff, all have absolute immunity from all liability. Why would anyone bring their child for an experimental injection whose contents are secret, whose, that have never been tested properly in human beings. And some of the results of tests 
for example, from the Pfizer trials, it's been obtained through lawsuits and it's being examined. And this is major fraud, major criminal conduct, concealed casualties. And as we see, um, the federal government can't, can't give enough billions and trillions of dollars for more and more stockpiles. And even when people don't come, don't want it anymore, people are stopping now. Fewer and fewer people get each subsequent shot. What? There's reason. They don't tell you that. The, pre the major media and the social media have all been, you know, tight-lipped, <laughs> ironclad. This is, again, something the Nazis used as well. Censorship. Censorship. Controlling one narrative. I mean, everything about our republic, our democracy, has completely been cast aside. Vera, I think that's that's right on. And I, you know, with this idea of the people who knew, I want to add another layer because I think that this idea of the Andrew Cuomo's who knew, that is the higher the higher echelons of this pyramid that is implementing this population reduction agenda. But then when you get down to the what's happening at the hospital level. So it isn't that some of these people don't know, but there is an idea that is um, also came out of the World War II era after the Adolf Eichmann trial. And, and Hannah Arendt described this as the banality of evil. She studied the trial and she, she said that there's a banality of evil, which means evil is so commonplace that, that you don't even recognize it. So I want to apply that to what's happening. So Grace's case, when you people hear it, they would think, well, she had Down syndrome, it's just an anomaly. It's not an anomaly. That's why we're out sharing this. And it applies to not just the the disabled like Grace and the elderly, which happens to be the elderly is the number one cause of death with COVID. Disabled is number two cause of death. Those are not pre-existing or, co or comorbidities. Those are statistically the number one and number two causes of death. And they are because of this idea of the banality of evil. And what's going on with that is, as it applies to specifically Grace, so Grace had Down syndrome. 67% of kids with Down syndrome are already aborted in the United States. Some countries have eliminated them 100%. So take this to a person in the hospital who's a young person. If they have gotten pregnant in the last 20 years, the doctor encourages them to get an amnio. If the amnio shows that the child has a disability, they're encouraged to abort the child. So now that person has grace under their care in the hospital. How do they even view grace? They, they view her as a useless eater because they've been trained through the banality of evil to view her that way, the same as they view the elderly. The elderly are in, in a class where you now put them in nursing homes. So this is evil that we don't even recognize as evil anymore because it's so common. 
And, you know, I would add just one other point because this idea is spreading way further. You know, the, the person who is unvaccinated, the unvaccinated Christian person especially, that is, that is a label that they're going after. And Rob, if you got in a car accident today, I'll just tell you bluntly, if you got in a car accident and were transported to your local hospital, and then they call your wife and they start going through the checklist and, and they ask your church affiliation, um, they, she said, they ask her, are you, is Rob vaccinated? And she says, no, he's not vaccinated. You will not make it out of that hospital alive. It's a hundred percent chance you will not come out of there alive unless you have somebody as an advocate that is right there physically with you. Yeah, and speaking of that, it it was uh, uh, unbelievable that that you were escorted out of the hospital by an armed guard. They, you know, now that I look at that, at the time I didn't really, you know, I just thought, well, I mean, I'm upsetting the apple cart. But now I see it as completely different. They had to get me out in order to accomplish this agenda. This is a real agenda. The the elites have already published that they wanted to take out 700 million people with COVID. You know, so, I mean, I'm talking about with the COVID jab. So with the jab, they want to take out 700 million people worldwide. I mean, this stuff is, is you know, they're starting to get so brash and even publishing it now. But this is, you know, the, the, the regular media isn't covering any of this yet. But anybody that wants to dig, you don't have to hardly dig anymore. You can find out that, what Vera and I are talking about is is real stuff. It's time to wake up and see what's happening. Scott, do you think that the average doctor in the average hospital really understands any of this, or is he just uh, following the the hospital procedures? Because you know, I hate to tell you folks, but not every doctor graduates at the top of his class. Some most of them are pretty far down the list. Somebody's got to graduate last, and uh, a lot of them just want that paycheck and and just do what they're told. But do you do you think they know what's happening? Do they think they know what they're doing, or is it just the administration that is uh, is at uh, is liable here? It's not a it's on a continuum, Rob. It isn't a cut and dry answer. It's so there's some of them, of course, that are know know what they're doing, and their their standard of consequence is is going to be higher when they ultimately meet their maker but you know it's still it's it's um the banality of evil as you apply it to the medical profession they are indoctrinated in a certain way to to only use meds for example to Mm -hmm. follow the cdc to follow the nih they can't think outside of that little box Uh, that does not excuse the behavior at all but if they are if they are sucked into that mentality, it's it's um, easy to see how they can't see any any way else. But a, a reason I say with it, they can't excuse their behavior is, think about if you are in a hospital setting and you put somebody on remdesivir in a ventilator and you did that with five patients in a row and five for five died, wouldn't it dawn on you to do some type of investigation? And so you can't excuse the behavior, but this banality of evil has has um, been set up for many decades uh, by Satan's minions 
to allow this type of thing to happen. And then another thing I would overlay is the Milgram obedience experiment, which that experiment in short showed human nature without God. In that case, people, if they were given a choice to kill somebody based on the authority telling them to kill the person by giving, in that case, a jolt, but in, in Grace's case and in the hospital cases by med combinations, uh, two-thirds of the participants would do it just because their supervisor told them to. Uh, so that's, you know, it's it's also human nature, Rob. Yeah, and I I hate to disparage all doctors, and I know that not all of them are 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 bad, but in my experience, anytime I've had to go to, even to urgent care for a sinus infection or something, I have to uh, look up my symptoms myself on the internet before I go in, tell the doctor what I have before I go in and ask for what I need before I go in. Because, you know, I know that all he's going to do is, uh, see me for two minutes, go in the other room, Google it, and then give me some sort of a med. Um, I just, I don't have a lot of, uh, respect, I guess, left for, for a lot of the doctors out there, but there are a lot of good doctors out there. And by the way, Dr. Simone Gold of America's frontline doctors just started her 60 days in federal prison today for giving that speech at the Capitol uh, against the, uh, the COVID jabs and, and the mandates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, those doctors who do speak out are hounded, are deplatformed, their licenses are taken away. They're treated as criminals. Uh, recent, well, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, mm-hmm. who died, uh, he himself, you know, <laughs> treated something like 7,000 patients. Only three died. And he used the forbidden medications, which have been used for decades safely. They have a safety record. They're fully FDA licensed. But the problem is there's no money in it because they're no longer patented. So no one can make huge money out of them. Uh, They would cost something like four or five dollars a week when you have remdesivir that costs 3,000 something. Well, there you go. The profit motive scoops it all up and the perfectly good combination of medicines that have worked well for many different kind of uh, infectious diseases, it becomes a criminal. They they criminalize life-saving treatments and push, forcibly push those that kill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before 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 we go on, uh, we have people in the audience here. Does anyone have any questions for Vera or Scott? I see we have Brother Jeffrey there. Are you? You're from Kenya, right? Welcome, welcome, uh, Matt, Russ, Harry, Deanne. Now's your chance. Betty has a question. I don't really have a question, but I my heart goes out to both of you. I drove school bus, and I had Down syndromes, and I tell you what, they're the sweetest, kindest, loving, caring, you name it, kind of people. 
I had a girl named Rochelle and she loved the cheetah girls and she would wear her cheetah stuff even, and it would be like heavy stuff in 90 degree weather. (laughs) My heart, I just wanted to go in tears for both of you. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I lost my brother to remdesivir in September of last year and he was supposed to get out. He had a cold next day. He was dead. It was terrible. So my heart aches for you and breaks for you. I just want to let you know that. Thank you, Betty. Yeah. Thank you, Betty. Vera, can you talk a little bit about the, um, oh, I'm sorry, Jeffrey, did you have a question? Uh, You need to unmute um, unmute your microphone. There should be a little button there with your microphone. Click on that. Oh, we can't hear Jeffrey. I'm sorry. Well, while you work on that, um, Vera, if you could talk a little bit about the Nuremberg trials. We've heard some some of that um, thrown out there that uh, there might be some hope for some justice in all of this. Um, tell us about that, if you would. Well, uh, let me focus on the doctor's trial in particular, because that was uh, when the atrocities were brought out to public light, because the public didn't know about those. And that really had the medical profession around the Western world squirming. Um, The American medical establishment... uh, you know, just everyone distanced themselves as if that's just those uh, Nazi uh, animals. I mean, you know, you kind of don't, don't you disavow them as, as human beings and as doctors. I mean, these were, it wasn't just the ones in the camps who conducted the experiments. It was also all the uh, medical establishment in the academies, they published their findings in journals. The medical establishment knew what was going on. They received reports. Joseph Mengele sent regular reports to his superior professor at the medical academy. Um, the big thing that happened as a result of this information that got out and there were many um, victims who showed some of their scars. Part of the verdict of these 23 doctors who were tried at Nuremberg was the Nuremberg Code. The Nuremberg Code is like the Ten Commandments. It lays down what may and may not be done to human beings in medical experiments. And it, it is in the International Criminal Code. It was adopted by the whole world, but it doesn't quite have the uh, standing of national laws. You know, international laws are are in this no man's land. You know, on the one hand, 
it stands. But on the other hand, how many, you know, how often does it get cited? Now, it happens that in the United States, it has been cited. And in one case involving Pfizer uh, in Nigeria, where children were killed in a um, antibiotic trial, Troban. The United States, a federal court, held Pfizer guilty of crimes, and they had to pay some retribution. Of course, Pfizer, in its, you know, thuggish criminal way of doing business, took many years before the family saw a dime. But it was the Nuremberg Code that got the guilty verdict. So it's very important, the Nuremberg Code, and it it is in effect in times of war or peace. In other words, you say emergency, doesn't matter, the Nuremberg Code holds. And the first and foremost principle of the Nuremberg Code is the voluntary informed consent of the human subject is absolutely absolutely essential, their words. I say that it's like the Ten Commandments because it can't be changed. Not a single word can be changed, unlike laws and regulations, which can be massaged as needed every few years. For example, the Declaration of Helsinki gets changed. It's been changed maybe eight times, ten times. Nuremberg Code, you can't change a word. The Nuremberg Code is the clearest articulation of what is in civilized medicine is permissible and what is not. And the reason it can't be changed is is because it was part of the verdict and nobody ever challenged the Nuremberg trial verdict. So what is needed really is an international court to hold some of the people today, some of the doctors, liable. The problem is that the the court systems in many countries is completely corrupt. You see, this has been, this pandemic, as many are calling it, and I think correctly, was planned for decades. It didn't just happen all of a sudden, you know, coming out of, certainly didn't come from a bat naturally. I think by now it is pretty much even a consensus agreed that this came from a lab. It was man-made. And unfortunately, something that will go down in history really to our shame is that the United States brought it about through what they called, this is Anthony Fauci and his gain-of-function research. Well, gain-of-function is biological weapon research, which is illegal. It's illegal by United States law, and it's illegal by international treaties. But they disregarded it and went in partnership with, by the way, the in addition to China, the Pfizer vaccine is actually 
a German company. BioNTech is a German company. Okay, so we're, again, rather close to the Nazi pharmaceuticals. Nazi pharmaceuticals were very much in evidence in the concentration camps, and they were involved in some of those atrocities. Well, and a lot of the pharmaceutical companies here in America came out of those uh, experiments in World War II. Right. And the United States imported 1,600 Nazi scientists and doctors with their families, so it was about 3,500. And those Nazi scientists taught many of the Americans. At, they spread them out throughout the at, at uh, medical centers throughout the United States. It started out with the military, Fort Detrick, and then it went out to the medical academies. And they taught the doctors and continued some of the experiments. This yeah, is, you're this absolutely is, right. Um, remdesivir, as I understand, was uh, developed at Fort Detrick uh, as, as a bioweapon. Well, there you go. I mean, this is really, this has gone under the radar, you know, and and it is what has polluted, frankly, a lot of medicine. Because they wind up being, they dictate to the general doctors what they may do and may not do. And it has nothing to do with safety or efficacy. It has everything to do with profits. Mm-hmm. There's no, and this industry is totally out of control. One of the major things that happened was in 1986 vaccine uh, act, which gave immunity to manufacturers for vaccines that are listed on the CDC children's schedule, which is another reason, really, and one of the reasons that they're after the little children. They want to get COVID vaccine on the children's schedule and Mm -hmm. then maintain this immunity even not in a so-called emergency. That's the real reason. Another reason is they want to get rid of, you know, often it's referred to population control. What it means is reduction, Mm -hmm. culling the herd. Right. What Vera is referencing, I just would like the listeners to look this up on your own. So you think, how did we, as the United States, take out 1,600 Nazi scientists and doctors? It was, it's called Operation Paperclip. And if you take the time and look it up, because you won't believe what you read. But you need to look it up yourself, because it becomes believable then. And then you'll start seeing how... It, you know, the house of cards that you start hearing about where the government is so corrupt. Um, it, it's, it starts by doing your own research. And, and I know that because I started with a healthy distrust for the government before Grace died. And now through my own research, have concluded there is not one thing that we should believe from our government. And it is totally corrupt. 
And these things like Operation Paperclip that Vera just mentioned, it's critical to look these up yourself. Don't just listen to these podcasts and believe it. Look it up so you see it with your own eyes and read it and digest it. There's quite a bit on the website, on the AHRP website. I've written quite a bit about Paperclip some years back. Can you talk about the financial um, motivation, how Hitler got to power? Because I'd like to for sure cover that analogy with today. I think it's important. Well, uh, both ideologically and financially, Hitler was helped by the major corporations, major American corporations, German and Swiss corporations. And those same corporations and foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation, Carnegie Foundation, they're very much still in the forefront. and. At one point, yeah, the Justice Department was going to actually prosecute. They should have been tried for treason because after the United States entered World War II in 1941, they continued to do business with Hitler. Uh, The Rockefeller, between the banking and the oil, they were in partnership with I.G. Farben. They were the ones who provided the Cyclone B gas. And they had, they actually had their own uh, concentration camp, slave labor concentration camp within the Auschwitz complex. So they received the slave laborers from the doctors who selected those coming into the camp, whether they would go and be slaves or they would be immediately killed or they would be subjected to experiments. It's doctors who decided each of those decisions. Scott, maybe you can get into the financial um incentives that hospitals are receiving for for their actions so i, I want to uh, take a, a little bit of a broader view with the finances first then i can talk about the hospitals now so on a macro basis the medicare trustees report dated august 31st of 2021 um, was a motivation, I don't know if it's the motivation because of the worldwide population calling that is the real motivation behind this, but that Medicare trustees uh, report um, greased the skids to get this thing started. It, It stated that something substantial has to be done because 39% of the federal budget, $2.2 trillion annually, goes to pay for those people on Medicare, which are the elderly, and those people on Medicaid, which is the disabled. And so as that applies, so what they did with COVID is they incentivized hospitals to implement an agenda to take out people. And as I said earlier, the number one and number two causes of death with COVID are elderly and disabled. And the hospitals on average got $100,000 in bonus money 
and you can't make that up in the hospital system that grace was in that she died in it's 142 hospital system they received 10 billion dollars in the first year of covid courtesy of the u.s taxpayer to implement an agenda to kill people i mean it's hard to even grasp i mean when i if i would have heard myself say this uh even nine months ago you know i would have thought this guy is a conspiracy theorist or a nut job but i mean what i'm talking about is is now fact i, I did the research myself it's on grace's website uh, under the love of money i mean this money trail uh with the immunity from liability combined with the money that i just talked about and then the shroud of secrecy that is because they won't let anybody in the room no relatives uh, husbands wives you can't go in the room with your spouse or your loved one you know that combination of three created a temptation that only the most godly of men could resist and you know it's it's um it's absolutely sickening and corrupt in the worst way i can ever imagine what it's also led to is out and out fraud where they uh would give people the diagnosis of covid when they didn't die of covid oh absolutely not to mention the uh, medical kidnapping where once they've got you Yes. They pretty much have you because if you if you decide to take your loved one out of hospital, you're forced to sign a a, a form a, against medical advice, which voids all of your insurance. Um, so you you have a choice of saving your loved one or or bankruptcy or or you know. So it it is a racket. It's a racket. It's, exactly. it's a racket, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of, uh, well, I don't know how long, a while ago, I wrote a couple of articles, which you can find on our website, wisconsinchristiannews.com. One is called uh, Stay Away from Hospitals and Don't Take the Jab. You can find that. The other one is called um, Trust God, Not Government Experiments. If you go to wisconsinchristiannews.com, go to uh, under From the Publisher, you can find those articles there, which will give you more information. We're just about out of time here. I want to give you the information on the websites. Uh, Scott's website is our ouramazinggrace.net. And Vera's website for the Alliance for Human Research Protection is ahrp.org. And Vera and Scott, I'll give you the last minute here. We're down to about one minute, so... Vera, you go first. Well, I'd like to say to people that uh, Auschwitz survivor Elie Wiesel, who was a Nobel laureate, he said that it was the silence, the silence of the majority that caused the Holocaust. And we need to remember that because it is the silence of people, the silent obedience of people that really causes the kind of ruthless and murderous and insatiable greed. All those things go together. They inflate the these monstrous egos of the ones who have put this upon us. And this time it's global. Scott? 
I think that's right. I'll play off of what Vera just said. I mean, we often hear that we're supposed to obey man's laws as long as they don't conflict with God's laws. And these things that they're doing from mask mandates to um, jab mandates to keep your job, these are laws that are not supposed to be followed. These are laws that are instituted by Satan. And you know that and you can tell it because they're designed to control us. And so I'm right on board with that. Uh, Vera has told me in some of our conversations that um, the, the obedience of following these type of laws is exactly what caused the Holocaust and it's causing it again today. And we have the ability to say no. Very well said. And uh, just in closing, I would add that anytime that something is forced upon you, you know it's from Satan. If it's so wonderful and terrific and and uh, savior of mankind, people would flock to it on their own. But once you have to force them or mandate them, you know it's evil. We are out of time, folks. We ran out of time about a minute ago. So <laughs> I have to... Uh, say goodbye. Thank you, Scott and Vera and everyone for tuning in. We will be back next week, Tuesday, same time, same place. God bless. Thank you, Rob.